I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Faith Walkers, thank you for joining us in the Awakama Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show in the world where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Bailey Dayton. She is an entertainer and influencer. She's a model, a host, and TV personality. She competed on The Challenge after first appearing on Big Brother 20, where she finished in 11th place. And she also finished 12th on Big Brother 22. Bailey was also the first and only Black Miss Missouri, and also Miss Congeniality at the Miss USA in 2017. Please welcome to the show, Bailey Dayton. (laughs) (laughs) We need an air horn. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm like, I need the snap, the clap. (laughs) Thank you so much for agreeing to come back on the show and share more of your journey with us. I truly, truly appreciate you, Bailey. I know you came on the very beginning. You're one of the first people who supported you were on episode number six. Um, You know, we talked about building a dynasty and you have absolutely done so since then. So thank you so much for coming back on the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And nothing but good memories. When I look back on the first podcast, I'm like, wow, we really have come a long way. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just listening to the first episode we recorded recently, and we were talking about then how much we've grown from, you know, a couple years before that, um, you know, and even from the time that we first met in in South Africa. So to Mm -hmm. see the growth in our journey these last three years, I've loved watching you grow and evolve into the woman you are today. And, you know, there's so much I want to dive into. But for those who don't know who you are and who are just um, learning about you for the first time, do you want to share a little bit of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Big question. Um, but hello to those that do not know me. Um, just just God, that's the, the number one and easiest answer. But other than that, it would be consistency, hard work, dedication, the simple stuff. I had random goals. I set them and I just mark them off as they go. Um, the first one was to be the first black Miss Missouri USA. And that was really a huge feat because I'm from Missouri and there's not that many black people. Um, and then after I did that, when I went to Miss USA, opportunities just kept unfolding. And so my goals shifted a lot and I didn't really have like a set destination in mind. It was more about the journey, but I knew how I wanted to feel. So I just focused on getting to the feeling 
And um, a few years later, I feel like I'm in a really good place and I, I manifested, you know, the outcome. So I'm happy about that. Amen. I mean, you've you've been able to manifest a lot of amazing outcomes. I mean, on top of being a TV personality, um, you know, you also met your husband through um, yeah. being on TV, all of those things. Do you want to share a little <laughs> bit of that background story? Yeah. Okay. So along with like um, the story of manifestation, I had like typical relationships along the years. They were like, you know, they were all a lesson. We'll just put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. Hard lessons to learn. And then I just like got that up. I made a list of like, this is what I want. And, you know, my partner and I kind of let it go into the, you know, the universe. Then when I got on Big Brother season 20, um, it literally felt like God just dropped him in my lap because here was this, you know, beautiful guy that came on the show. This is not a love show, by the way. Um, <laughs> and we just like fell for each other. I don't even know how it happened. It happened really quick. We knew each other for 23 days. And then um, he got kicked off the show. And the next time I saw him, he proposed. So it was just like one of those seamless things where it's like, it felt like it was divine. And three years later, we actually just celebrated celebrated our third wedding anniversary um, last week. So yeah. it's just crazy how it worked out. Thank you. Um, but it's one of those stories where I'm like, people are like, oh, like, how did this happen for you? And I'm like, I could not tell you <laughs> like how this happened. I just know it was God. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, like, I-, I love everything about that story. I mean, I'm sure that the listeners are like, what, what, what? Yeah, and it sounds crazy. People like, even when it happened, people are like, you've known him for 23 days. And you really said yes. I'm like, yes, because I felt like I felt like this was it. And some, when people are like, you know, you know, I'm like, yeah, I had no doubt in my mind. And I don't even know what came over me to be like, yeah, sure. But it just was like, mm-hmm. a lift for me. I love it. I Thank love God he it so wasn't much. like a psycho. He could have been a psycho. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, like thinking about it, I mean, my daughter came to me and was like, yeah, mom, I'm getting engaged. I would be like, what is wrong with you? But now that I'm like, you know, fine, fine, it worked out. <laughs> but you've always been someone whose foundation um, has been been rooted in God. So, you know, like yeah. you just said, when you know, you know. Yeah. And I prayed about it. It was like, it was just a divine experience from top to finish. Um, and you know, it's people who uh, listen to the last podcast know that we had kind of a traumatic event in between, you know, his time being eliminated and my time being off the show um, that kind of brought us close together, even though we weren't in the same space. So by the time, you know, I was ready to see him again, we had already solidified our relationship in a way that most people don't even get to. So it just mm-hmm. worked out for us. Yeah. He's my partner. Wow. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was I was reading something that you had. Um, I believe it was, I don't know if it was a story or an IG love. I can't recall. But, you know, you talked about basically retiring from, you know, competition type reality TV. Yeah. And because of yeah. what that is, what that did to your mental health. And I think yeah. it's important for us to talk about uh, that part of it, because people will look at someone's successes and not really understand the mental toll that it may take on them or the emotional strain that it may take on them. So, you know, we can celebrate the fact that you've had those successes on on television, but also let's talk about what that did to your mental health. Yeah. And you know what, this is um, a subject that I love to talk about just because I'm, I'm passionate about it. But the main thing I would say is that especially reality TV does not necessarily translate to reality. So 
competition TV shows are something that I get cast for uh, rather often because I'm a competitive individual. I'm athletic and my energy um, is lively. So when I'm on these shows, I'm all in and it's not just a game to me. <laughs> you know, so some people are like, it's just a game, calm down. I'm like, no, like even when I used to play sports growing up, I'm in it, you know, so <laughs> it's really hard for me sometimes to separate the game in real life. So people will be vicious to you mm-hmm. or do crazy things in the game and then they'll be wanting to be your best friend in real life. And I'm like, nope, don't like you, don't trust you. You know, so there's all these aspects you know, they go into it or, you know, some people just want to do things that are extreme for TV time. So I just live my life organically all the way through. And I really um, have a hard time with emotions. Like if I get worked up over something, I'm going to remember those feelings. So Mm -hmm. reality TV is just not good for me because I can't let go of those things. And I'm aware of that. Some people, it's like good game and they completely forget about it. For me, Mm -hmm. I'm remembering everything from the very moment we started. So I think, although I'm good for TV, I could probably go in a different direction. I can do other reality. I can do on camera. You know, I've been modeling, acting my whole life. That's fine. But when it comes to sports, athletic things, where you have to get cutthroat, it's just not a good good Mm -hmm. look for me. How did you handle dealing with depression with the competitive um, reality TV and and having all those eyes on you um, at that time? The pressure of all that? Honestly, not well. And I think that's another thing, too. I'm the type of person that holds in their emotions until they explode. And that's like something that, you know, you you notice when you're a kid, you know, but it's never been on such an extreme level. So on both of the shows that I was on, there are situations to where I'm just holding in my emotions so much that I literally have like a physical, like an explosion in the show to where like one time I was screaming you know coherently screaming but I bit my cheek so it looks like I'm like spewing blood you know but then there was another oh time to where yeah there was like a group of girls that were kind of like ganging up on me whatever and I just had like an anxiety attack and because it's, it's television the producers are not inclined you know I don't know they're just not as helpful as you know you would like them to be because they're there for the ratings they want the drama so I'm having an anxiety mm-hmm. attack I asked a producer if I could have you know, my anxiety medicine, and he does not give it to me. He just lets me have an anxiety attack on TV, and they record the whole thing. And it was really like an invasion of, like, my privacy. It sucked. It really did. And so, uh, of course, on TV, it looks amazing. And they're like, yeah, this is a great episode, but I have to go back and have to see that. And people, you know, send me those videos, like, oh, she's crazy. And I'm like, no, I actually, you know, was dying. It's fine. But nobody cared, you know? So it just doesn't Mm -hmm. feel good as a human to be like a lab rat in an experiment like that. So when you get off of, you know, those kind of things, it takes you a while to come back to your center. And then before you know it, they're ready for you to do another show. So it just does not seem like the healthiest environment for anybody, you know, with depression or anxiety or anything to be in. Absolutely. Like I can see how that would take a huge toll on you. Like it almost seems so inhumane to watch someone having an anxiety attack, knowing that they have a solution for it, but choosing <laughs> to not give it to them and record it. Like, where is the exactly. empathy? And like, where, it. where yeah. is the love? And it's like, you think about it and you're like, Yo, no, there were actually people behind the cameras looking at me, you know? So I wasn't just on the floor in the middle of, the, you know, whatever by myself, there were people looking at me and nobody cared. 
So it just, I don't think there is any empathy. And then it breaks trust with you in production of like, mm-hmm. why am I going to come to these shows and give my all and give them great TV when they don't care about me as a human? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, um, you posted something on Instagram recently I, I believe it was like your most recent post and I'm, I'm gonna I'm mm-hmm. gonna quote it here so you said things they don't tell you faking it until you make it can deteriorate your soul being called special sets you up for disappointment being self-centered gets people a lot further in the ending an empathetic caring selfless individual It's true. You know, and it's, it's like so funny because so sometimes I actually was just talking about that. Sometimes when I post things like this, people are like, are you okay? You know, that was really morbid. But I'm like, I don't think so. I think honesty is a really good policy. And yeah. I am not saying this because I'm coming from a hurt place. I'm saying this because people need to know. Like, I don't like mm-hmm. that, you know, especially in LA. I live in LA. And, you know, there are so many people that come here with their dreams you know, only to have them crushed. And I actually have happened to be really successful in the industry and I've been able to open these doors. But my message is just letting people know that everything is not as it seems. It's not as perfect as, you know, these dreams make it. And I just don't want you to lie to yourself. I want you to be, you know, it's okay to change your mind. Like, you know, like it's okay to be like, yo, I thought I wanted this. Like I've been, I've gotten everything I've ever wanted in my life, every opportunity, mm-hmm. everything that I've ever dreamed of, I've been able to touch. And I thank God for that. But there's some things that I touch. And then as soon as I, I have it, I'm like, ooh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. This is not mm-hmm. actually what I want. And I have to tell myself that so that I can re-manifest something else. So I just want people to know that like, yeah, you are special, but we're all special. There's nothing that makes you better than anybody else. There's, you know, like you going through the store, you're not going to get it because you're kind and sweet and whatever. People are cut growth in this industry. So just teaching people that everything's just not how it looks. I mean, it's so important for you to share that side of it. Because like you said, people are watching the other side of the screen glorifying, you know, the opportunities that you're getting or the success or whatever it is that they are envying or striving for or inspired by. Um, So hearing the truth of, you know, what it really is, I think is important. Like some people may want to now shift what it is that they're going after in that industry or how they go after it. Yeah. And here's the thing, you can still chase it. And if you, you get there, but I just want you to know that everybody that gets there is not completely satisfied with, with the space. So for me too, Mm -hmm. like you said, a lot of people look at me and they're like, Oh, you know, you live in this place in LA and you have your husband and you have your life and blah, blah, blah. And don't get me wrong. It looks amazing. And it's, it, it is amazing, you know, but I have to be honest with people because I just don't want you to look at my life and chase this life and not know that it comes with a lot of, you know, stress, responsibility and other emotions that you're probably not prepared for. So I just want people to like, mm-hmm. just, it's just transparency. It's not, it's not trying to, you know, dissuade anybody. Mm-hmm. Do what you want to do, but just know that it's not butterflies and rainbows all the time. Absolutely. Have you had to experience imposter syndrome at any point? Hmm. Yeah, all the time. And I like me not smiling about it, but it's it's actually like so um, refreshing um, to talk about it because so many people that you wouldn't even think have to go through it are like I mm-hmm. I. Yeah. 
come in contact with some of the most amazing people and you see them on social media or you'll see them on, you know, movies, TV, whatever, and they're struggling with their identity. So I, I definitely have to do that. I experienced it the most when I was modeling and modeling was a really, you know, tough time because I didn't feel like I was genetically made for, you know, my body type was made for that. Um, and now I think I experience imposter syndrome. This is so funny. More in my wifedom than in my career. So I feel like, you know, I go to my husband a lot. And I'm like, babe, you know, am I a good wife? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Because I'm just non-traditional. So I'm, you know, I have my own stuff, my career, I'm working. I don't cook for my husband every day. I don't, I don't do the things that you're told to do as a wife. And so I feel like, mm-hmm. oh God, <laughs> you know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm posing as if I'm like this great wife and I'm not, but I, I am. It's just not to whatever standards I guess normal people have. You know, it makes me think of, there's a podcast episode where Jay Shetty was interviewing Will Smith and yeah. Will was talking about his imposter syndrome and yeah. how uh, before Nelson Mandela passed away, he kept saying to Will, you know, come, come study with me, come spend some time with me. But Will's imposter syndrome, because he didn't feel like he was worth taking up Mandela's time. He, you know, he didn't yeah. see that value in himself and he didn't go and Mandela ended up passing away. And I believe he felt the same way. Like when I read Will's book, I believe he felt the same way, like with his, his marriage and stuff, which is why he worked so hard because he thought he needed to provide because of his yeah. you know, childhood wounds of him not being able to, um, you know, stand up for his mom with his abusive dad and stuff like that. He had his, I'm going to say his, his own insecurities and childhood wounds and, and traumas that made him experience this imposter syndrome every single day. So when you said, you know, there are people out here who people don't realize experience those things, like it's important to hear because sometimes someone who feels like they're just like the average Joe next door feels like they're the only person experiencing imposter syndrome and that people who are in successful places don't have to deal with that. A thousand percent. And like you said, if Will Smith is going through that, like, come on, you know, because it, it really is. It's like you don't know anybody's childhood traumas. You don't know anyone's, you know, situation. So most of, and actually you got to think about it. Most of the famous people that we look up to don't necessarily have the, the greatest upbringing, you know? So mm-hmm. here yeah. they are thrust into these situations to where they're worshipped as if they're idols and they don't have any imperfections. That would be really hard to deal with knowing, you know, deep down, they feel so flawed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So what, what advice would you give to a woman that's listening right now that is battling with imposter syndrome? My number one advice, is the same thing I tell myself, is that comparison is the quickest route to failure, period. There is mm-hmm. no way, you know, um, that you could ever win if you're comparing yourself to someone else. There's no way, yeah. you know, so you don't want to have that mindset. You really want to just authentically change your mindset. That I'm going to be, you know, the best person that I can be and laugh at your flaws. Like I laugh because I got like teased a lot in my family. I'm from a family of mostly women and I am more like analytical. I'm more creative. But when it comes to like physically doing stuff, like the cooking, the cleaning, the manual labor, it's like not my thing. You know, so it just is not like, and I laugh because I send my sister memes, you know, now 
of like people doing stuff and like they're like hey are you gonna help and like the other person's like mm, no I don't think so and it's funny now because <laughs> growing up it was not funny like I just I they were like you're so lazy you're so you know all this stuff but my friends are other places so now I'm thank the lord I can use my friends to outsource for my weaknesses but don't get yeah. hard on yourself because I was talking to my friend about this the other day and this is rooted in the Bible, but every there's different parts of the body for a reason. If I'm a hand, I'm not going to kick myself because I'm not a foot. I'm not. So I'm going to be the best hand that I can be. And I'm going to, you know, work to my abilities. But then if I need, you know, a foot, I'm going to outsource and say, Hey foot, can you help me with this? And that's just that. I'm just not going to feel guilty about being me anymore. I love that. I love that on so many different levels. Like, (laughs) like, I completely resonate with everything that, you know, you believe in and that you've said from many of our conversations. And a while ago when you said uh, what you said about comparison, it's like I was almost going to finish your sentence, but it would have been a little different because I say comparison <laughs> is the thief of joy. Yeah, <laughs> um, no fact, but, but it is. It really is. Why are we doing that? I don't even understand what that's and, about, you know? Exactly. And it's like so many people are looking at other people's lives on social media or on television and comparing themselves saying, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. Not realizing that, like you said, we all have our own strengths. You can't compare a banana to an, like a, I don't know, a jackfruit. Like, like they're two completely different things. Why would you want to? Why would you do that? No, no. Like when, when, I'm asked about imposter syndrome, like what, what helps me and the reason I'm able to celebrate every woman that I'm connected to is I don't compare myself to them because I know that we have different values. We have different beliefs. We have different goals. We have different visions, different purpose. So I can make a list of my values and my strengths. And then when someone else is, you know, winning an accolade or succeeding, I can genuinely celebrate them and be happy for them and know that that's not taking away from my light because they're walking in their purpose, they're walking their journey, they're, they're, you know, being led by their values and their beliefs. Mm-hmm. I agree. Literally. So like, I know that, uh, I believe it was the beginning of the pandemic. Is that when you moved to LA? Yeah. Okay. I so LA, I mean, I, before. Okay. So I know the pandemic has shifted a lot of things for a lot of people. And you know, for some people, it's affected how they serve. For some people, it's affected, you know, how they live. Like, I guess my question to you, especially because you moved to LA right before the pandemic, like, how did that affect you? Uh, you know what, I would say the pandemic had the most effect on my self-esteem and my relationships. So my husband and I moved to the pandemic. I mean, moved to LA two months before the pandemic happened, but we went immediately to film a TV show in Prague. So by the time we got back from Prague, LA was on a shutdown, you know, like we got back and a week later, LA shut down. Um, But you know what? I learned a lot because my husband and I's relationship had been based on reality television. We had spent most of our time together, like not even a moment, you know, away from each other um, since we were engaged. But he is a, a very introverted guy. He's a very smart guy. And I had only seen one side of him. So the pandemic allowed me to see a different side of him. He is um, a financial guy. He's into trading. So he started like an online trading academy um, called the Swag mm-hmm. Academy. And it blew up. Like, I'm not even mind you. Like, this is, I went on a, a TV show by myself and I came off. And he's like, hey, babe, we're moving to a penthouse. And I was like, what? You're in a, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I was, it's like, I'm 
funny because I'm like, what? When we moved to LA, we lived in like a 600 square foot, one bedroom apartment, and I was just the happiest ever. And then my life changed so quickly to where now we live in, you know, top floor of this high rise, plenty of space, you know, and it's an amazing thing, but it was just a shock for me to go from here I am thinking I'm inheriting, you know, this cute little boy and we're going to like figure out life together and struggle. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, I'm actually a genius and it's fine. You know? So <laughs> I go from, no, no, seriously, it was hard because I, my identity was rooted in I'm the catch and, you know, and as silly as that sounds, it's like now he's the catch too. And I'm supposed to just chill. Cause he's like, well, you don't have to work anymore if you don't want to. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, is, what does this mean? <laughs> Like I, I genuinely had like an identity shock this whole entire pandemic and I'm still coming out of it because, okay, I've realized, no, I don't have to work, but I enjoy working. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're both the catch and that means he can support me and I can support him. And I don't have to go into this immediate, okay, well, I'm a trophy wife because my husband makes a lot of money and da, da, da. no, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just me and he's just him and it has nothing to do with you know, that, and even though you don't bring in as much money as him, you still bring in a lot of money by yourself and you can be proud of that. So just juggling like what our relationship looks like now that our, our roles are different and what my identity is now that I'm in a different lifestyle. Um, mm. it's been, it's been the biggest learning thing ever, you know, and I've realized like, no, I might not fit in with all these other, you know, trophy wives because this is not what I've been dreaming my life to be, you know, and mm. no, I still, even though I don't have to work, I'm still not going to cook and clean every day. Not my thing, you know? So yeah, yeah. just, you know, you know, it sounds <laughs> crazy, but, but I really had to figure it out. It was a struggle. <laughs> so, okay. So even within that, like you had to figure out so many things at one time because you were, you know, discovering yourself as you're getting into, you know, all of these different um, industries, reinventing yourself. And then now I guess, figuring out the new identity of what you thought your marriage was going to be. Like, how yeah, did yeah. you work through that? Girl, lots of tears, uh, <laughs> lots of conversation. <laughs> uh, no, no lie. I literally thank God every day that I have a husband that is willing to communicate with me as much as I need to be communicated with, because I had to have so many come to Jesus moments of like, okay, are you sure that what I'm doing is okay for you? You know, because mm. I moved to LA, we both moved to LA with a dream. So I still wanna go and do my events. I still wanna go and do my modeling stuff. I went on a show without him, which was hard because we met on the show. So he mm -hmm. didn't feel jealous of an opportunity that I got offered and he didn't. He really, mm -hmm. like, he's been a really good supportive husband, but then it flips around because I can't be jealous of opportunities that he gets and I don't, you know? Right. So it's really just like a, a, a gut check right in the mirror. And I then hold myself accountable. Okay, your needs are met. And that's what you pray for. You pray that your needs would be met and that you could just chase your dreams. And now that you're, you're in a place where you don't have to rely on your physical, you know, looks or attributes to provide for yourself. Now you're being lazy. No, get up and get this done. You know, mm -hmm. so just like genuinely like having those hardcore talks with myself and then him holding me accountable is like the only thing that would have got me through. Cause I could have just been like, well, I'm going to go join a country club and, and sit, you know, but I don't want to. <laughs> wow. How do you stay motivated? Because if you don't have to work and you have the option to do what you want to do, but you still choose to chase your dreams. So how do you stay motivated? Great question. I'm going to blame that on ADD dead ass um, because <laughs> I get, <laughs> no, like, I am because 
I get bored so easily. That's one thing too. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, sometimes I feel really guilty and I feel like I'm ungrateful because I have what the world would consider, you know, a really great, some might say a perfect life. Like, oh, wow, you have all this stuff. But I get so bored so easily that I'm not satisfied, you know, with it. So for me, it's like, okay, baby, you had all these dreams and you've been hitting them, knocking them off. Now it's time to go back to the drawing board. How do I dream bigger? How do I dream better? How do I, you know, manifest in a way that I've never felt before? Because it's more about experiences for me. Like I'm an experience oriented mm-hmm. person. So how do I, like back to chasing that feeling, how do I chase this feeling that's new to me that is in alignment with where I am and that feels like I'm hitting an accomplishment, you know? So I just mm-hmm. like that, that, that buzz, that drive, that adrenaline. as if like I'm walking the Miss USA stage for the first time. I want to feel that in my everyday life. So that's what kind of like gets me out of bed. But sometimes I don't get out of bed and that's fine too. Listen, abs, abs are freaking loopy. <laughs> like, not gonna lie, I, I sometimes it's like weeks at a time, and I'm like, nope, don't feel like it, and that's fine. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, and I, I always feel that's the beauty of when you create your own schedule and you work for yourself, because you can have those moments where you go really hard, and you can have those days where you're like, you know what, I don't feel like getting out of bed today. Period. It's a, it's a, it's that's a it. sprint, and then a, and then a walk around the track, girl. And that's fine. <laughs> like exactly, like, exactly. But it is. It's like you learn not to be so hard on yourself. And I'm not, I like. I just am learning. Like, okay, not everybody is going hard twenty four seven, and you can take a deep breath. It's okay. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, what would you say is your superpower? My superpower. Um, that is actually. Look at you. This is such a great question. Um, <laughs> Because you know how when people are like, I'm just trying to find my purpose and I just, you know, want to know what it is. I've done a lot of inner work on, okay, Bailey, what are you naturally good at? How can you operate in that space? And for me, mm-hmm. it is my superpower is people. I genuinely mm-hmm. love people. I genuinely am concerned about the well-being of people. I want to listen. I want to talk. So I would probably say I love to interview people. I love like literally making people feel seen. So that's my superpower. I would, I love to make people feel seen. I love to make people feel heard. Okay. So when are we getting the Bay Day podcast? <laughs> See that. The crazy part is me and my husband actually just started a podcast. Um, and we're on, like we were, we're recording like our third or fourth episode uh, right now. So okay. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. To see how I feel about it. Um, love it. And it's, yeah, it's very interesting. But for a while, like I did Bailey, I did Penthouse on my YouTube channel for a while where I interviewed people, but we wanted something that was more frequent and more casual. So now I'm going to try this podcast thing with my husband and see how it goes. But I think it's going to open like a really good avenue, you know? I definitely think it will. One, because everybody that I follow online that is in a relationship that starts a podcast, it blows up because not only are you both being authentic and transparent in that conversation, but it's relatable because other people are like, oh, wow, like this happens to you guys too. Or you get the flip oh. side. We're like, what? <laughs> so, you know, people are, are interested. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then there's the other side where, you know, everyone's like hashtag black love. Um, yeah. And then three, like I'm, 
I'm an introvert, so I get where your husband's coming from. And I enjoy podcasting because not only does does it allow me to still thrive in my element and using my strengths, but I get to have deep conversations and connect with people and at the same time be of service to others because they get to hear conversations and hear of stories from women like yourself who they may see on TV as successful, but then not know the adversities that you've had to go through to get there. So there's so many benefits um, to podcasting. So I'm excited for you guys to to launch your podcast. Good. That makes me smile because I'm like, you know, when you do, do something new, you're like, okay, this could either be really good or really bad. <laughs> so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that what you said is right. Like, I hope it doesn't up and I hope it's, it's a good time. <laughs> so. Listen, I had no clue what I was doing when I started my podcast. Everyone was asking me to start a YouTube channel. And I was like, I do not want to be in front of a camera on a regular basis. Ooh. No, thanks. Yes. And yes. I started the podcast and it was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. And three years later, you know, we, and this is, I guess the pandemic also helped that because when I started my podcast in 2018, there was only, I think at the time, um, 500,000, they said active podcast like out there in the world. And then by 2019 or 20, I think it was 2020, it went up to 900,000 and they were expecting it to hit 150 million by, um, sorry, not 150 million. Uh, I was about to say, what? Yeah, no, sorry. (laughs) They were expecting it to hit, uh, it was 1.5 million by 2021. But then because of the pandemic, everybody started a podcast. And anyone who started in the game early benefited from that, not only with our listenership and consistency, but that was when, you know, I found out that my show ranked globally in the top 1.5% most popular podcast in the world. Like there's over 2.7 million podcasts right now, actively as of 2022. So, so it's, yeah, I I love that. I'm excited for you. I'm excited. And I'm happy with the way that things are going because it is nice to just throw in a podcast and listen, you know, like I'm learning as I'm doing stuff. Exactly. Uh, Like I'm a podcast junkie. I have like a whole list of podcasts that I listen to. I don't think I've ever missed an episode of Jay Shetty's podcast. You know, I listen to like a church podcast. I listen to like all kinds of podcasts because I'm, you can multitask, you know, you can listen to podcasts while you're working. I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online before we go to the final segment of the show so they can learn more about Bailey and then they can hear about the upcoming stuff that you have coming up. Yes, please. Um, if you want to connect with me, you can go to IG and follow Bayday with two Y's. So B-A-Y-Y-D-A-Y-Y on TikTok. It's Bayday with two Y's on the bay and three Y's on the day. And then on YouTube, my YouTube is Bailey Daily. And my name is spelled B-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H. So I would love to have you join my crew. Awesome. Awesome. So in the detailed section of the episode, I will have all your links so they can just click and connect with you directly. They don't have to search too far. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. So the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. And it's like just reflection questions. You share the first thing that comes to mind, whether it be one word or one sentence. I used to call it like a rapid fire, but I realized I love to break my own rules and ask you to unpack. So I'm just going <laughs> to... 
Call it reflection questions. <laughs> okay. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Ask and it is given. Mm. Um, it's actually crazy and I love it. Um, it's by Jerry and Esther Hicks. It is a book on how to um, actively manifest. And it's written from mm. the perspective of the, um, like the unknown slash the above. So like, if you imagine like a book written to you from your spirit guides, that's what it is. And it's really, really good. Love it. I will add that to my reading collection. Yes. What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, and I, this is what my dad told me when I was little. It's so funny. It's still holding. It is learn to walk with kings and queens, but never lose the common touch. It's like a lion queen, king quote or something, but or jungle book, something like that. But it's just no matter how high you get, never remember where you came I mean, always remember where you came from. I love it. Walk with kings and queens, but never lose the common touch. I love that. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Love Beautiful. it. Love it. It's telling me to humble, wow, humble okay. myself. So, okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, okay. What is the worst advice you've ever received? Take it to you, make it. I'm not going to lie. I don't like that advice because I thrive on authenticity. And if you take it mm-hmm. to your make it, you're eventually going to end up in a place that you wanted to be in but not as who you really are. I don't like that. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I feel that. Um, okay. What's one of the biggest surprises that you've had within the last few months? And why do you think that is? Okay. I will probably say it, this has to do with um, relationships within family. I think my biggest surprise is learning um the extent of my family members' love languages and how the reason why most of our fights have been because we don't love each other the way that we would like to receive love. So just learning our love languages and then reworking those traumas of, oh, you were so offended because you, you know, love gifts and I don't, you know, like just really like figuring out what those were stemming from. Wow. You know what? See, people don't understand the importance of love language outside of even a romantic relationship. Like it's important to to understand the love language of your family members, of your children. Like I remember, I think our, on our first episode, you told me that um, your husband's love language was words of affirmation. He needs yeah. that. And I believe yours is um, acts of service. Yes. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but it's important to know that of our, our family members and anyone that we um, are close connected to because we could be loving them, like, I don't want to say incorrectly, but if someone, let's say, for example, if someone's love language is physical touch as a family member yeah. and you are constantly showing up with gifts, but you walk in the door and you don't give them a hug or you like they yeah. may feel that you don't love them. Their brain is yeah. telling them, you know, that, that you don't love them, even though you've showed up and brought a gift. So it's understand people's love languages. That's even actually my whole childhood, just so you know. Yeah. I'm like, my mom's love language is gifts and quality time and unphysical touch and active service. So I felt traumatized mm. by my mom. I felt like she never showed up for me. Meanwhile, she's like, what are you talking about? So we, we had to work through that. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, yeah. it really was hard. Because I'm like, why don't you hug me? Why don't you tell me you love me? And she's like, but I'm here every day. And I just got you everything you needed. So yeah, you got to work through mm-hmm. that. You know what's so important to you? Like, sometimes we feel because we know our love language, that's how we treat other people and assume yeah. that, you know, that's what they need. So that's your mom's saying, like, what are you talking loved. about? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. A thousand percent. That's it was amazing. really like a aha yeah. moment of like, wow, I can have so much better of a relationship with my mom in adulthood because now she hears me and she knows how I want to be loved and I hear her and I'm, I can love her the way she needs to be loved as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Okay. What, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night is the future. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit of a worrier and um, I hate when I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I'm right now I'm at a point where I've manifested everything in my life. And now I can't see even like six months in front of me. I have everything I want in my life. So now the future is really getting me like stumped. So I've been spending a lot of time up at night, just kind of daydreaming about what I want my future to look like. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a very, how do I say this? It's an underestimated action to allow yourself to daydream. Um, I'm actually visualization visualization for sure. Like I'm actually um, doing a study group with another coaching partner of mine. We're both Proctor and Gallagher consultants. Our mentor, Bob Proctor actually just recently passed away, but um, we started a study group of the book called power of awareness. And we've been reading like two chapters live um, every Thursday in our Facebook group. And just talking about like relearning about the power of our imagination and how strong our minds are with manifesting things. When you allow your mind to wander and to fantasize and use your imagination, if you take those same visions and allow those things to consume your thoughts, you start to feel the feelings as if they actually are real. real. So that's how you are able to quicker manifest the things that you want in your life. So just that simple exercise that you do laying in your bed at night and just, you know, allowing yourself to let your, your mind wander is amazing. Yeah. And I actually love that book too, the power of awareness. Um, the book that we, I was talking about early, um, the asking and the given at the back of it, it has like activities on, you know, how to manifest faster. And one of the visualization activities is to, close your eyes, vision it, and then feel the feeling because you're bringing that into your awareness. You're bringing that, you know, feeling. So I love that. I agree wholeheartedly. Love it. Love it. You know, most people don't realize like your, your subconscious mind, which is like your feeling mind, it doesn't know the difference between fact or fiction. It doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not. And that's why a lot of people, you know, if they constantly replay traumatic events or bad situations in their mind, the reason why it hurts so much and you're still stuck there is because you're reliving that experience over and over again and your mind doesn't know that it's not real. So it's important for us to visualize what we do want and focus on what we do want so that we're not constantly reliving our traumas. Yeah, or bringing in the things that we don't want into our experience unknowingly. That's one main thing. You yeah. sit there and dwell on yeah. those bad experiences. They're going to keep happening, and you don't know why, but you're you're welcoming them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Okay, last but not least, when and where are you the happiest? Ooh, that's like all these good questions. So, oh, perfect work. It goes, goes back to the visual, visualization so I'm the happiest when I'm in nature um, and that can look like many things I grew up on a lake so I used to go to the lake and there was a dock and I would sit and I would meditate and I would do yoga so whenever I feel um, overwhelmed or sad and I go into like a meditative space the first thing I 
visualize it's me sitting, you know, in the middle of a creek, a body of flowing water and in nature. So that's like my little happy place. I love it. I love it. That's so grounding. Like as you were saying, and I closed my eyes and envisioned it because I do the same thing. Like I love my nature walks. I love being in nature and grounding myself. So I, I closed my eyes and I envisioned everything you just said. Yeah. And it's calming and it's peaceful. And I forget about every, you know, every other moment when I'm in that space. So I love it. I love it. Wow. Bailey, I want to thank you for sharing your truth with us, being so vulnerable and allowing us into your mind. Thank you so much for just to, to be with us today. I truly appreciate you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. This was just as healing as for me as it was for anybody else. And I hope anybody just listening is like, I hope they got something. I surely did. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Bailey. And to all of you legacy leavers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And I just want to thank each and every single one of you that continues to listen each week that helped the show to globally rank in the top 1.5% most popular shows in the world out of 2.7 million podcasts. And uh, if you could think of three women that would receive value from hearing Bailey's story, please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Bailey at Bayday, B-A-Y-Y, and you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.